0: Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and his church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to trust your character and to come to you like Jesus trusted you and came to you. Lord, we know we're not meant to look at Jesus' life and just see it like some amazing feat. We know that, that, Jesus, you intend us to imitate you and to follow you, to live like you, that we can share in the type of relationship and the type of life of prayer that you experienced and you lived. Lord, teach us. We want to learn. We want to long to learn. And we pray all of this in his name. Amen. 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 Um, We've been in a series in Genesis, which we were going to plan through August. And Genesis is amazing and it's the best. Uh, But we are calling, uh, we're calling what we call an August Audible um, and we are going to seek the Lord through prayer and fasting for the rest of the month of August. So this uh, this Sunday, I was going to be preaching on the holy priesthood of the order of Melchizedek in Genesis 15 and 16 or whatever. So I'll leave it to you whether you're excited that we're, we're preaching on this. Sadly, we'll come back to Melchizedek later. I know everybody loves Melchizedek, so it's, a, it's an issue. But... We're calling it audible because mainly we feel like um, I had sent a video out in our newsletter earlier this week. If you're a part of our congregation, just I feel like we need some freshness as a congregation, um, fresh intimacy with God. We need fresh feelings of unity with one another, and fresh vision for the future. What are we doing? Where Where are we going? Uh, before we get lost in like live streams and just like podcasts for the you know rest of the future. Uh, COVID has beaten us down. National unrest and political division has made us so tense, I don't need to tell you that. Our inability to meet has left us feeling kind of disintegrated, detached. I don't know if you feel that. So we're calling an audible. One of the things that we're gonna do is as fast as we possibly can, which for us, that's next week, we are gonna have Eucharist together. And we're gonna figure out how we can have Eucharist as much as we possibly can. I we're going to talk a lot about more about this, but Eucharist is the thing that people in community and Jesus do. It's what binds us and covenants us together to one another and to the Lord. That is its purpose, and I feel the lack of our sacramental life together, and so I'm going to hit our church hard with come and share Eucharist. We're going to do it in a safe way. We're going to do it responsibly, but we're going to do it. Uh, that's coming. Um, and also, we're going to spend four weeks of seeking the Lord's face through prayer and fasting on specific things that we're dealing with. And Luke 11, our gospel text this morning, is going to kick us off. It's an amazing place for us to begin. So, even if you're coming into this live stream from no experience with our community or church, or you feel utterly apathetic to God and anywhere else, or you don't know how to pray and fast, or you don't know even what it means to seek God's face, all this is news to you. This is an amazing place to start. Several months ago, I was exhausted, um, I was being pulled in a thousand different directions and I was starving for connection with God. I was famished um, for comfort from God. So Marissa blessed me to go have a prayer retreat in a tiny house in the middle of Amish country uh, in the Driftless region. If you need a place to go have a prayer retreat, it's amazing, I'll connect you with this guy who owns this gorgeous little tiny house, literally like on the edge of an Amish farm. It was fantastic. And my dream was that I was gonna get out on this prayer retreat and like start praying and the heavens were gonna open up and the angels were gonna sing. And like Elijah, like little ravens were gonna come to me and like (laughs) nourish me and everything, you know, God would like give me all these amazing prophetic words that just go right into my gut. Um, But that did not happen. Uh, I was got there and I felt tired and exhausted and I was starving. And I felt like in prayer, I was coming up against a wall. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like I turned on the faucet and nothing was coming out. So my prayers then turned to that. Lord, why is this so hard? Why can't this be easier? (laughs) Just open up the clouds. Like, where's the ravens? Why'd you give ravens to Elijah and not me? Um, And that's when the Lord led me to Luke 11. And this ended up being what he had for me, and it was my meditation, and I want to lead you through it. Grab your Bible and turn to Luke 11 with me. And I do want you to get your Bible. So unless you literally don't have a Bible in your house, that's a good excuse. Otherwise, get up, go get your Bible, <laughs> and turn to Luke 11. Um, because uh, we're going to be focused on that bit in Luke 11 that Emily read in the video. But also, I, wanna, I want you to look at the story that comes immediately before it at the end of Luke 10. So if you're in, you're open to Luke 11, look at the very story that precedes Luke 11, verse 1. And it's the story of Martha and Mary in chapter 10. So we're going to start in Luke 10, verse 38. Give you a second to get there. I'll just read it. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha, sweet Martha, was distracted with much serving. Ow. (laughs) That phrase packs a big punch. Going on. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Two examples, Martha and Mary. When I took my prayer retreat and I just kind of was led to this bit of scripture, I just knew, as I've known many times in my life, that I was Martha. Anxious and troubled about many things. Jesus says the words distracted. You're distracted with so much serving. So you can be distracted even with good things i think about how martha loves jesus martha is the one who invited jesus into her house so martha's not opposed to jesus she's just all over the place she's all over the place and i don't think it's just me who feels that way from my conversations with many of you from my existence as an american in 2020 i know that we are all like this we're all over the place we're disoriented And one of the only things that we have to be unified to other people is getting online and like plugging into social media. But then we do that and we immediately feel dirty and gross and like we're furious at the world and it's even worse. Mary, on the other hand, is dialed in. She is locked in. Her focus is right on point. The world is spinning around her, but she is still in front of Jesus. There's a lot to be done, obviously. Martha's very aware of that. (laughs) But I think Mary's priorities are straight. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. This is where we want to be. Mary is sitting there eating out of Jesus' hand. And we want to be eating out of Jesus' hand. Now, look at the very next verse. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. The Gospels are too strategically ordered and composed for that to be a coincidence. After Jesus tells us all, kind of gives us this example of a woman who is dialed into God, the very next picture we get is of Jesus himself praying. It's a picture of Jesus doing what Mary was doing. He's being locked in. He is dialed in to his Heavenly Father in prayer. And of course this is something Jesus did all the time, right? You can't read the gospels and not notice that Jesus is constantly dialing in. He's constantly going away by himself to pray. And his disciples who traveled with him saw him do this all the time and so look back at verse 1. Now when Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, "Lord, teach us to pray." As John taught his disciples, time and time again, the disciples had seen Jesus persevere through hard times. Time and time again, they had seen him uh, be assaulted physically or verbally over on all sides, being pressured to do something. And they saw Jesus stand so firm and hold his ground and be so secure in faithfulness to his father. Time and time again, the disciples had done so much ministry with Jesus and been so exhausted and so all over the place. And then they had seen Jesus like tap into this extra gear, this extra reserve tank that none of them else had, but they saw Jesus somehow continue to have faith to be compassionate and see people even when he was exhausted. Time and time again, they'd heard Jesus talk about his father about God in a way that did not sound like the way other people talked about God. Other people talked about God, but when Jesus talked about his father, it was like he actually knew him. Like he actually had this acquaintance with God himself. And they connected the dots, as you can connect the dots if you read the gospels, that part of that is because Jesus was constantly dialed in in prayer. Jesus lived this life where he constantly was kneeling on the ground to eat out of the Father's hand. He was so dialed in. And so one day, as Jesus is dusting off his knees from getting up from praying, a disciple finally asks, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, can you teach us how to do that? Which isn't that an amazing question? Don't you want to know how to do what Jesus did? Wouldn't you love an extra divine Jesus gear in your life? Wouldn't you love to talk about God? You ever been around somebody that talks about God, not like they're like studying him, but like, no, I actually walk with him. Don't you want that? I do. Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach me how to do that. And what does Jesus say? Look at verse two. And he said to them, absolutely not. No one can do this with me. (laughs) Absolutely not. This is for super spiritual people. Um, that like only have a few really special Holy Spirit gifts, but it's like not for normal people, whatever disciple asks that question. No, he goes on to teach them. This is amazing. Jesus loves that he's asked that question and he obliges. He goes on to teach him. But before we get there, this is really the first thing that I, I want us to see as we're beginning here. Jesus invites us into the school of prayer. Jesus invites us into the school of prayer. And that means that this is being dialed into God. Being able to be still at Jesus' feet when the world is spinning is something that is learned. It's a part of Christian discipleship. John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus is asked, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And Jesus doesn't say, that's not something anybody has to teach you you should know how to do that yourself. It doesn't mean you have to be educated or only certain people can learn how to pray, but it does mean that prayer is a part of discipleship. Our problem is that we live like Martha, and especially in modern American culture, especially in 2020, we live like Martha. We live anxious, we live distracted, we live troubled. I do not need to drill that in to convince you, I think. And then we get to breaking point, and so we run to God, to sort everything out in like five minutes in prayer while we're so distracted. But we're clumsy and it's hard. And like me on my prayer retreat, ravens don't immediately come. And so we get discouraged and then we pull out our phone because somebody just texted us and we have to respond and we're off to the races and we're gone. But Jesus invites us into the school of prayer. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut in discipleship. Um, There's no shortcut to... Being in in the Father's world, eating from his hand, it takes discipleship. It takes entering in and being taught, doing it. Um, My dad once knew a seminary professor when he was younger that was really famous for his life of prayer, which, by the way, imitate people and, and follow people who you respect their prayer life. There's a lot of people who are really smart and can quote a lot of things or do whatever you admire, But the people who have this quality are the type of people that you want to imitate. And my dad saw this in this person. And so he went to him one day in his office hours and said, I really want to learn how to pray. Can you teach me how to pray? And the guy said, absolutely. I would love to be here at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning in my office. (laughs) And, you know, you'd be tempted to be like, no, I just want like a pithy, you know, anecdote or like give me like a, you know, something to read or some wisdom. But he's like, just show up at 6 a.m. So my dad showed up at 6 a.m. and said, awesome, let's do it. And they just knelt down and started praying. And after about an hour, they finished. He said, show up tomorrow. And he did. And in the process, learned how to dive in and imitate prayer with this guy. So you learn by doing. You learn by diving in. It's also clear from Jesus and John in this passage, you learn by imitating. Like we just said, John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. This is something that we do together. In community. It's not something you just do by yourself. To give you an example, I've been really influenced by a, a bishop in our denomination who is near and dear to our diocese. And um, much of what we're talking today, I've been influenced by this summer as I've been just on this journey myself. And he lives this radical, countercultural, insane life of prayer. And it is overwhelmingly attractive to me. I hear him talk about his prayer life and I hear him talk about Jesus, and I just want it. I'm like, please teach me how to do that. For example, I was listening to him talk about how he loves to regularly fast from media so he stays nimble, nimble enough to where he's watching like a movie at night and if he feels the Lord tap him on the shoulder, and first of all, he has the discernment to sense that and say, I want you to come spend some time with me right now. He's nimble enough to get up, turn off his TV or shut his laptop and go pray. Isn't that insane? I'm utterly challenged by that. I feel like I have office hours for God. I, I feel like I know that I can access you whenever uh, I, I want, but I'm not sure I want you to be able to access me whenever you want, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Not for this guy. And because I'm distracted, I get home and I'm like, and my prayer hour is done, Netflix on, we're good. Uh, but not for this guy. And I have so, I have hundreds, thousands of people in my life that would enable that lifestyle in me. So that's perfectly fine. Until this one guy just cracks that open. My imagination is blown away. And when I hear that, the first thing I think is that's insane. And the second thing I think immediately after that is, oh, I would rather live like that. <coughs> So when I was on that prayer retreat and I was discouraged because I was starving for God and the sky did not immediately open up, through this passage, I felt the Lord inviting me. I kind of had the sense of a pregnant silence that had a lot of meaning to it. And I felt the Lord saying, you've been distracted from much serving. You're anxious, you're troubled about so many things and I'm not gonna enable your distracted lifestyle by solving your problems with a miracle in five minutes so that you can go right back to being distracted. I want you to enter in. I want you to engage, stop what you're doing. Martha, you've got to put down your dishes, whatever she was doing. Maddie, our worship leader, used to be in a band called Slow Down Martha, fantastic band name. (laughs) I felt the Lord inviting me for lasting life-changing transformation that he was clearly telling me is not gonna happen with your current lifestyle. I think that's what the Lord is calling us to as well. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were as nimble in prayer and as sensitive to the Lord's voice as a whole community? If we had that collective love of being dialed in and locked in to Jesus, We're a new church and we're still building our culture. Some of you have had the blessing of being a part of local congregations and they're all over the world that have this quality. They're just so dialed in. Somebody in the community can say, let's pray. And everybody's like, of course we wanna pray right now. I'd rather do that than anything else. I want that for our community. I feel like Jesus is calling us to that right now. That's why we're pausing for the next four weeks in the middle of 2020 wartime. We're gonna get dialed in because we need it. So Jesus invites us into the school of prayer, and as we read on, we see that as a part of his school in Luke 11, he gives us the content of prayer in verses 2 to 4, and he gives us the posture of prayer in verses 5 to 13. All of these are tied together. So the content of prayer and the posture of prayer, these are deep, deep teachings from Jesus. They deserve their own sermons, Um, and yet there is a lot of benefit to just going over pretty quickly to see what is kind of the gist of what he's saying, because we want to see his response, right? And direct response to the disciple asking, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer. Because of that, because of that this prayer has been deeply significant to Christians. Great tradition churches uh, like ours say this every single Sunday, and many Christians throughout history have said the Lord's Prayer every single day. And that is an amazing, beautiful thing. The words themselves, because of how uh, important these words are for Jesus in the Gospels, are worth being said, and that's why we say them. But it's also significant in that Jesus offers us in this prayer an example of prayer. He gives us these themes that he ties together of just, here's what you do when you pray. And if you look at the Lord's Prayer, again, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. um, But if you look at the Lord's Prayer, you get praise and adoration. Father, hallowed be your name. You're set apart. No one is like you. You get prayers to be aligned with the mission and kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. You get petition, give us our daily bread, confession, forgive us our sins, forgiveness of others. All of it's here. Um, if you ever, I've, I've done this this week, if you ever feel like I know I need to pray and I don't know where to start, the place that I would recommend starting, just taking a cue from Jesus, is get the Lord's Prayer out, pray a line, and stop and meditate on it and see where that leads you in prayer. Pray a line, stop. Lord, forgive us our sins. What do I need to confess? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, what are you doing right now? How can I be a part of what you're doing and ushering in the kingdom of God? Amazing place to start. So he gives us that snapshot, but then he goes on and he tells this story that teaches us the posture of prayer. So it's deeper than like, here's just the things you say. He gives us this amazing, emotional, comical, dramatic story to give us an example of the kind of thing that prayer is. And that is um, that God is always ready to give. Like a loving father, and therefore we are always to be ready to ask. So it's all about God's nature of giving and the challenge for us to ask. Look at verse 5 with me. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I've got nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Don't bother me, the door's shut, my children with me are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because of his friend, yet because of his impudence, and that we'll talk about that word. NIV translates that as shameless audacity. Yet because of his impudence or shameless audacity, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Now this is a famously tricky parable to understand. Um, because we're not really sure how to translate that one word impudence. There's only, it's, this is the only place it is in the new Testament. And that's an issue because if you read the parable, it all comes down to that one word. So what do you do with this? Um, but within the context of Jesus's school of prayer here, from what he's saying, we totally get what he's saying. This is a story of the 3am phone call. Um, this is like last week and this week when I didn't have a printer that worked and I needed to print off my sermon. And last week, I called Matthew Farley, a parishioner in our church, very late on Saturday night. I was like, dude, I need to print off my my sermon. Can I use yours? And of course he said back, absolutely not. We're all asleep. My housemates, you know, I could wake up Jack if you come over here, he's one of his housemates. Get out of here, you know? No, he didn't say that. And the way that you laughed kind of has to do with what the story is happening here. He obliged, but that gets to the heart of the story. Either way, this story would have brought some snickers uh, from Jesus's audience. So some people see the comical side of this, the kind of dramatic side, is that this guy has the audacity to ask in the middle of the night. Like, I can't believe this dude just went to this guy in the middle of the night to ask for three loaves of bread. And therefore, the point of the parable, if you kind of see it in that light, is that we're to be that audacious, that shameless and bold in prayer. Jesus is saying, Make the 3 a.m. phone call in prayer. Ask for it. Don't think, oh, no, I, I never could. Not, I could never ask for that. I could never come to the Lord in prayer for this. The other way of reading this story focuses not on the man's response, but of this guy this who's at the house with his kids. Um, and it's basically the idea that this guy saying that his kids are asleep and he couldn't get up would have absolutely been unheard of in an honor-shame culture. Uh, If you know anything about these societies, hospitality is everything, and a community takes on hospitality as a whole. So everyone would assume, hearing the story, that even if someone came to him in the middle of the night, the person would be honor-bound to hop up as quick as he could and help him immediately. It's a ridiculous excuse. So read in this way, Jesus is saying, can you imagine somebody not getting up and helping you out if you need help? And everyone would respond, of course not. The dude would get up. It's like Matthew saying, no, I'm going to wake up one of my roommates. I can't let you use my printer. That's ridiculous. Read in this way, Jesus's point therefore would be, God is always ready and honor bound by his divine character to hear the prayers of the people that he loves. He's always ready to give. He's always ready to hear. He's not a curmudgeon. If someone is willing to get up and give you bread in the middle of the night, how much more then is God ready to answer prayer whenever you call, whenever you come to him in prayer? Now, here's the thing. Regardless of which way you see the emphasis landing in this parable, they're both right. They're both right. Jesus wants you to ask. And he wants you to know God's passion and character to always give. And we know both, point, both points are right because of what Jesus says right next. How he ends this, how he kind of interprets it himself. Look at me at verse, at verse 9. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love how he focuses on the Holy Spirit at the end there. Have you ever had someone tell you that they want you to ask for help if you need anything? And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, I totally will. But then the time comes and you're like, oh, I'm too embarrassed to like take them up on that, even though they told me. And I love how because of this, it's like a socialism for us Americans. Because of that, if you really want to help somebody out, have you noticed that we always have to then add the caveat? I seriously want you to ask. So you do the thing of like, oh, I'd love to help anytime. They're like, yeah, great. Okay, thanks. And you're like, no, seriously, if you need help, I want you to call me and ask me. I will do that. Um, some of you know this story, and uh, but when my family moved to Madison, we had some issues and we had no place to go and I had two kids and a dog and we were all over the place. And this house, the Olson's house, uh, they were really adamant when they bought it that they wanted to use it for ministry, which God has taken them up on that uh, <laughs> that heart tenfold as it's basically become our church. But the day that they closed, so it was the first like hours they owned this house and it was empty. My family had nowhere to go because we'd just been locked out of our house because people messed up on something and we couldn't live there. And I painfully had to take them up on their call because they had said, we want you to use our house if you need it for anything. Feel free to call me. So we were at the end of our rope and I was like, well, I guess I'll call the Olsons." And so I picked up the phone and called them and said, I know you like are driving home from your clothes. Can we come and sleep on your floor? And literally the place where we're now having church like was where I slept at night and our kids and dogs and everything else. It was an amazing story. But they said, no, I really do. We really do want to use this house. You need to call me. And we were put in that position where I actually had to and it was great. God has told us, do you see what God is saying here? I want you to ask about anything. And Jesus is saying, so do it. That's the challenge. Seek, knock. What's it all about? The end is the Holy Spirit. How much more does the Father want to give more of the Holy Spirit to he or she who asks? The Father loves to be generous. Man, so we feel like it's time for fresh intimacy with God, fresh unity with one another, fresh vision for the future. What are we doing as a church? We have so much to ask for. Amen? We have so much to ask for. Individually, I know so many of you are struggling. You are all over the place. There's such a disorientation. Jesus is inviting you to eat out of his hand. He's inviting you to come in and eat with him and dine with him, to knock on the door. Jesus invites us into the school of prayer. He gives us the content of prayer and he's given us this posture of prayer. What's left for us is to show up and just dive in, to show up at 6 a.m. So sometimes we have a sermon like this and then it's like, so do this or like go whatever. But there's actually really, really easy application for this uh, that I want us to enter into as a church. And that is that for a month, we're actually going to do this together. So even if you are like, I don't have the ability or I'm not some like spiritual sensei where I can like figure out how to do this by myself. Don't worry, you're not alone. It's all of us. Um, But I want you to think about this next month. As a special opportunity to enter into a life of prayer and fasting, to seek God's face, to knock, and to experience that door be opened. Yes, it's for our church, but I want this to be an opportunity for you as well individually for whatever you're dealing with. So, two applications, Wednesdays and Sundays. On Wednesdays, for the next four weeks, we are going to call a day of prayer and fasting. I want to invite you to fast in some way. If you can fast from food, fast from food. If, if, it's, if it's no screens all day, like you literally as much as you can with your work, like keep your phone off, if that would be more powerful, how cool would that be? No screens all day. And in, in those places of things you're fasting from, you're pulling a Mary and a Jesus, and you're just going to sit at his feet. Um, pray into whatever's happening in your life. Pray into the Lord's Prayer if you don't know where to start. But this week, we're going to have a focus each week. This week, it's all about just knocking. Seeking God's face. Turning to him long enough to be still enough to realize that your life is insane. (laughs) So that's going to happen this Wednesday. I'm going to be fasting. I want you to join me. Then we're going to finish at night with a prayer vigil where we're just going to pray together. We're going to come and pray together. Cool stuff happens when God's people seek him together. There's nothing magical about it. There's nothing special about it. We're just going to collectively come together like stones of a spiritual house. And we're going to say, God, we want to knock. (laughs) I don't know what that's going to look like yet. It's either going to be a Zoom um, or it's going to be a live stream like this, but it's going to be simple and we're just going to come together. It's going to be an opportunity for us to all come together after we do that for a day and just pray together. It doesn't have to last forever. This is not something crazy we're calling you to. This is the only thing happening in our church this week. And then on Sunday, we're going to continue this journey. Next week, we're going to focus on coronavirus and the length of coronavirus. And we're going to pray into that. But I want you to start this week by just thinking about Wednesday. What can I fast from on Wednesday skipping a meal doing this will be more information about that in our newsletter and then i want to encourage you to participate in the eucharist next week we're going to be at a picnic there'll be more information about this next week but again we need to break bread in a coronavirus safe way Um, we're going to be at a park we're going to have slots if all of those slots fill up i promise i will open up more so that everybody can but this is something that we need to do we need to participate in the eucharistic feast together I'm done with coronavirus taking our sacramental life from us. I'm just done. So we're, we're going to do it again, and we're going to figure it out. So pray and eat. <laughs> um, we're doing it as a church together. I'm so excited for this. So would you pray with me now as we just enter into this month? Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we long to sit at your feet. Oh, Lord, we hear the teaching of our Lord Jesus, that you are always so willing to answer the door, you're so willing to give. And so Heavenly Father, we want to knock. Give us the courage and the faith to knock on the door. God, we are so distracted, we are so anxious, we are so troubled. Lord, how we long for the one thing necessary. And Lord, for those of us who don't necessarily feel that longing to sit at your feet, we ask for the longing. We ask for the longing to want to sit at your feet and come before you. So Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. We want more of the Holy Spirit. We want to be your servants. We want you to have our eyes and ears and hearts unequivocally right now in the middle of 2020. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.